All right, today's date is October the 10th, 2018, and the title of today's message is Joys of Fellowship. Joys of Fellowship. Let's get right to the word. Everybody go to Psalm 118. We'll start in verse 15. There. Who else is there? Getting there. I like that. Psalm 118, verse 15. So here we go. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. When we were putting together this message, this verse jumped off the page in anticipation of not only meeting together tonight uh, to collectively group together in his presence, but also what's going to happen Thursday in Chicago. What's going to happen Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the One Association Conference? I want to share something with you guys. We're traveling 1,121 miles from this spot right here to Crystal Lake. In order to shout for joy with the family of God, rejoicing over the mighty things God has done in each and every one of the churches. Amen. So Pastor Wade covered the listing of the churches. Let's cover them again. So we have the Rising Church in Chicago. We have Submission Ministries in D.C. We have King's Harvest Fellowship in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We have the Remnant Church in Dallas. We have New Life Fellowship in Victoria, Texas. We have uh, Nuea Familie. Did I say it right? New Family Church in Romania. We have Ihad to Peru with the Brassos. We have One Light Ministries in Indonesia. We have Loving Care Ministries in India and Life Changing Ministries here. As I was listing out these churches, something dr- just dramatic hit me. And I realized that right now we have more churches grouped together in the one association than we did for the first six months of services at Life Change and Ministries when it first began in 2003. There's more churches now than there were members of this one church at its beginning. God is in the business of growing his kingdom and ever increasing it through us. Yeah, amen. It's not about possessions. It's definitely not about finances, as you can see by my attire. But it is about taking the good things, the mighty things that God has done in us as individuals and transferring it, letting others experience it from one person to the next, one family to the next, and one nation to to the next. I'm standing here in amazement, and I know it will be even more when we're standing at the Rising Church and we're looking at evidence of God's mighty works. And the result is in every single service we have. I'm sure it will grow as well. We will have shouts of joy and victory. Can I tell you that when this all first began, we had no idea how to envision what today would look like, what the One Association Conference in 2018 would actually look like. We could see it in the far, far horizon. We knew something was there. We preached like it was there. We worshiped like it was there. We went after righteousness and holiness like it was there. But now we're here with you guys sitting in this room, ready to embark tomorrow at the bright hour of 3 a.m. in order to make your flight for six. It's building 
upon the character that God has founded this church upon. And we'll expound upon that. Come on, look at that last phrase of that verse that Pastor just said. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. How many of you can say that the Lord has done mighty things in your life? Yes. As Pastor was preaching just then, I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of this thought. What is the there that you're going for? We talked about where we were in the, as, at the beginning as a church, where the there is now beginning to be here, but there's still a there that we're reaching towards. What is the there that you think is just too far off in the future? What do you think is just too far out there for you to grasp, for you to be a hold of? It doesn't feel like that it'll ever get here. And yet we can say with shouts of joy and victory. I want to tell you that there is a reoccurring theme that is bubbling forth in my spirit tonight. That there should be shouts of joy and victory in this place. We're going to get to it. We're going to show some scriptures here. But the idea is, is that we have to be and have an overwhelming understanding of his power that's at work in our lives. What are you focused on besides the very power of God at work in your life? Are you letting worries choke out some of these things? Are you letting the details of what comes on any given day choke out some of these things? The Lord is going to help us tonight to have breakthrough. Turn to your neighbor and say breakthrough. Come on, turn to the other neighbor that you didn't want to talk to at first. Tell them breakthrough. Come on, turn with me to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 9. We're rejoicing over the mighty things that God has done. His right hand has done mighty things. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 22. Now see, there's not enough people in here. You can't hide anywhere tonight. Sam's there. You should meet all of you. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 22. I want to show you a few things that the Lord revealed to us this afternoon as we were preparing. In Leviticus 9, 22. Say there when you're there. Amen. Just checking. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. Well, that's a good, uh, that's a good priestly duty, isn't it? And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down from his place. I want to talk to you just for a minute about sacrifice. About the sacrifice that is required for us to be able to rise to where God is. The sacrifice that he, that we must make to be in his presence. Anybody ever had to sacrifice anything? Anybody ever get discouraged by how much you seem to have to sacrifice? (laughs) Lord, didn't I sacrifice enough yesterday? Apparently not. Because he requires that. I guess the question should be not whether what you sacrificed yesterday was acceptable, but are you close enough to God to stop sacrificing? The idea here is that Aaron is presenting sacrifice. He is, as a leader, he is going first. Come on, husbands. We should be the most sacrificial in our homes. We should be the ones leading the way in sacrifice. Showing, as pastors, this is what we must be doing. Is sacrificing. Let's look at verse 23. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. Come on, after you have sacrifice, what can happen? Well, you can get to the very presence of where God is. When they came out, they blessed the people. Again, very priestly duty there and the glory of the lord appeared to all the people what's the next thing that should happen to us after we begin and have a lifestyle of sacrifice when that becomes who we are not just something that we're thinking about not just something that we do but we are living a life of sacrifice do you know what happens you get a revelation of the glory of god 
You can't get to the revelation without the sacrifice here. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. After sacrifice comes revelation. Let's look at verse 24. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. You have sacrifice that leads to revelation and then the very fire of God shows up. And what does the fire of God do in this case? It receives the sacrifices that they had presented. What does that do for you? What does that help you with? It allows you to know that God is pleased with you. That He wants and He is approving of you and giving you His fellowship. Come on, somebody say fellowship. Fellowship. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it. Say all. All. When we are in right fellowship with the Lord, what does that present? That allows us to be in right fellowship with one another. All the people saw it. They shouted for joy and fell face down. Now, when you normally think about shouting for joy, do you think about falling face down? Don't you usually associate falling face down with something, either the fear of the Lord or something reverent or we're not worthy and he falls down. But the idea here is that when there's sacrifice, the revelation that comes from that, the fellowship that we get with God, it causes us to have the right kind of joy. Come on, we need to have some joy in this place. We battle like no other group that I've ever seen. We are warriors. We are built to be a warring kind of church. But can I tell you something? There has to be joy in what we're doing. Because when you are in right relationship with the Lord, it will bring joy into your heart. It will bring an overwhelming, uncontrollable outburst of something of whatever's on the inside of you. This idea that the Lord responds to the people with fire. He consumes their sacrifice. Uh, Megan, would you put on the screen for me? First John 1, 7. We know this so very well. It says this. But if we walk in the light. The light of what? The light of his fire that he just consumed your sacrifice with. As he is in the light. We have fellowship. With who? With one another. Because we've already had fellowship with him. Now we can have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. I want to show you something. Um, Megan, can you put up the first slide? This is the word. And when the people saw it, they shouted for joy. I guess I'll look over here then. <laughs> they shouted for joy. The word here is ranan. A resh, a noon, and another noon. I just had to say that in case you remembered afternoon delight. This is a verb meaning to shout for joy. Well, that's what it said, right? Shout for joy. To sing joyfully. It indicates the utterance of crying out. See down there near the bottom. Often it indicates crying out in joy or exultation. I have to tell you something. I am far too reserved as a human being. I'm happy. I'm generally not too stressed out. Sometimes I am, but most of the time I'm pretty even keel. And you know what I do? What I fail to do is have this kind of joy that permeates my life. Oh, I'm happy. I'm happy as things are going along. 
But this is not saying that when they all saw the fire of God come down and consume them, they went, oh, that's pleasant. The people saw it. God appeared and the people saw it. By the way, that is the same word in the Hebrew. God showed himself to them and they saw it. And when they got the revelation, when they understood that they were in right fellowship with the Lord, they shouted for joy. They unleashed everything that they had within them. It's the kind of joy that David did when he brought the altar, the, the, the ark back into the, into the place where it should be. And he was dancing before the Lord and it caused Michael to have, uh, to have a hardness of our heart that came forth. When was the last time that you just lost it because you were so joyful? When was the last time that you laughed until you cried? When was the last time that you were so elated because you were in God's presence that it changed everything about you? Because if we're in right fellowship with the Lord, if we have given our sacrifice, if we have the revelation and now we're in fellowship, you know what it should do? It should move you from where you are. Golf clap. No. No, we're not talking about a golf clap. We're not talking about something where you smile at somebody and that was funny. You chuckle. (laughs) No, 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 no. They shouted for joy. (laughs) My take on this passage is that they so shouted for joy that the only response after they had given everything to the Lord everything to exalt his name, everything that they could, they cried out to the Lord. All they had to do left was... When was the last time you exhausted yourself exalting him? This is what we're going to get to tonight. That's a strange thing to set as a goal for tonight. But we're going to get here tonight where we're not worried about the people around you. When was the last time that you needed more space to worship? (laughs) When was the last time that the row that you were on was not enough to contain your worship? When was the last time that you had a shout of joy that startled someone else around you? Wasn't expecting that. But you were so elated because your sacrifice had produced revelation. And revelation had produced right fellowship with the Lord and with your fellow man. And your life was so good. Come on, we don't think like this, do we? If you're having a good day, you're, you're blessed. But aren't you, don't you immediately? Some of us, okay, all of us, have a tendency to drift to what we don't have. To the revelation that we have yet to receive instead of just getting back in there and sacrificing again, that we might have such a shout of joy. I believe that the Lord is wanting to release joy to us and and cause us to be able to respond to Him in a way that will please Him. Pastor, I'm just reserved. No, that's not it. Or if it is it, then that shows that you're focusing on yourself and you haven't gotten the full revelation yet. I want us to have revelation of who and what God is. When leaders return from being in the presence of the Lord and they bless the people, God's glory appears to them. And fire consumes their sacrifice. I'm so glad that he can accept 
our sacrifices when we make them rightly before him. When we are acting in obedience to him, he can accept your sacrifice. Isn't that one of the worst feelings in the world? To be sacrificing something and feel like it's not making, you're not making progress? I've given up this. I've been dieting for, for two months and I haven't lost any weight. Don't, don't you? How many people keep going dieting when you're not losing any weight? You're like, forget this. I might as well go have some fun. Pastor's reading my mail. If I'm losing the battle. <laughs> if I'm losing the battle, I might as well go have fun. Pig out. <laughs> it's funny when we're talking about food, but what about your walk? What area says the Lord asked you to sacrifice and you feel like they're just not, you're not gaining ground. I mean, we're in a church and we're gaining ground, but we're not gaining ground. Yeah. yeah you, you, what we're talking about tonight is going to give you the revelation and the fellowship that we need. Amen. I want to touch on something that pastor shared that is a gem and it's actually not something that we covered while we were studying, but it came out as he was preaching <laughs> back at first John one it says, if we walk in the, as he is in the. Light. We have fellowship with one another. Uh, when he made that connection of the fire of God's presence consuming the sacrifice, that's God's affirmation to their sacrifice. That that is the light, or it's a connection to the light that John is speaking of. If we walk in that constant acceptance of God's approval of our sacrifice of ourselves, like Romans 12:1 says, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, and we're constantly underneath that fire of his presence, then we're already having fellowship with him. And the, the byproduct is then we're able to have right fellowship with one another. That this three-part progress is that you have sacrifice that then leads to revelation, that then leads to fellowship. And it begins with your relationship with God and it overflows to your neighbor as well. Amen? Has everybody got that? That was a gem, a really good revelation. Let's go to Isaiah 35 verse 1. There. Now, as, as you're turning there, pastor was exclaim, or, or showing from Leviticus that they had a shout of joy. The people did when God... His presence and his fire consumed their sacrifice. And they shouted for joy and they fell down upon their knees. We've all seen in sports, right? World Series, Super Bowl, you name it. That at the very end, when the final moment has passed and there is a declared victor. That every person on that team, and particularly in baseball, because it's that one guy that hit a home run or came into the last uh, base run. That... They jump and they leap for joy. And then there's this overwhelming sense of accomplishment because of the struggle that had ensued all that time beforehand. So, or for instance, John and Joy Dang. Uh, there's somewhere around in the church somewhere. There, his bag is right there. <laughs> so you guys remember whenever they gave the news that they were pregnant. We all came off of our seats. People were standing on top of the chairs, leaping, doing backflips. We were throwing Bibles across the room, then running to go pick them up. Now, I'm, I'm being a little bit exaggerated here. But we literally, everybody did jump for joy. There was a shout that busted eardrums and ruptured water lines right above us. It's because for six years, we joined their struggle to have 
children, meaning that we prayed for them, we interceded for them, we hoped every single month that there would be news of life coming forth. And we all felt that gravity of the barrenness that was there. And once it was defeated, we all shouted for joy. And immediately after that, there was this sense of accomplishment and the struggle is over. And we just all sank down in our seats and we just waited with that information and that glory. Now, this is the, the progress that God is looking for in our own hearts. That what are we aiming for at the horizon? We're aiming for that moment where his will is accomplished and we're not going to stop until we get it. And when we do, we're going to shout for joy and we're going to be underneath his heavy weight, his kavod of his glory. Well, let's look at this. Isaiah 35 verse 1 starts with the desert and the parched land will be glad. We, I was referencing John and Joy's struggle. And many of you in this room, in some shape or form, have had some type of struggle in that regard. That there is a place that is barren. It's not giving life. And what's being declared in Isaiah 35 is what seems to be barren and not giving life is actually starting to be glad. There's a preemptive joy, a readiness to shout unto God. Because his life is coming forth. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the the crocus. Uh, I have one of those. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice. Everybody say greatly. Greatly. Now, we have a smile on our face, right? When we have a smile, it means we're happy, right? You show teeth and you're really happy. Then you kind of laugh and hi, yeah, and you're, you're excited. Then there's a rejoicing. And I think years of Protestant and whatever, just dead church, has tried to squeeze the rejoicing out of believers. And so when we say rejoice, what do we think of like, yeah, that's a rejoice. No, I'm talking about rejoicing greatly. And I was being rather emphatic with doing backflips off the chairs when we heard the news about the dings being pregnant. But if I weighed 50 pounds less, I would have tried it. It was for my own concern and safety that I did not do that and the small child that was behind me. That there was a desire and also an effort to rejoice and rejoice with every fiber of my being because of the great things that God has done. But here we see that the creation itself is hopeful. And it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. If that's what the creation will do, what about the sons of God? What about those entrusted with the things of God when the God's kingdom begins to bloom on earth? When we see ten churches in the one association. Now, it's kind of a slow burn because it took 15 years to get there. But when we stand underneath the, the canopy of God's presence in Crystal Lake and we see the mighty things that God has done, there will be a great rejoicing and fellowship that will happen in that place. We need to anticipate that now. Amen. And what pastors encouraging you, what's in your horizon? What's in your future that you're looking for? Because I can tell you, when you go here and you see all the people's lives in, in within our one association, there's a little bit of comparison. And I don't mean like what type of shoes she's wearing or what kind of bag does he have. 
I mean, there's a comparison of, wow, if they can do it, I can too. Their life was messed up, jacked up, worse than mine ever was. And look what God did with them. Uh, Don't say that out loud and don't say it to them personally. (laughs) Keep that right here between your ears. It'd be all right. Keep it within your helmet of salvation. But what you're going to find is moments and individual conversations or group conversations and says, your life gives me encouragement and it makes me want to shout for joy that I can see my future developing because I see where you're at. That's what that joy of fellowship is supposed to be. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Revelation of his glory is a response of sacrifice resulting in, you can put up that slide again of Ranan, a shout for joy. Let me just read it again. Revelation of his glory is a response of, to sacrifice resulting in a mighty or exceedingly shout for joy. Skip down to verse 8 of Isaiah 35. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Sacrifice and revelation leads us to fellowship On the highway to holiness. Think about what that looks like in your own life. That God's word begins to identify what you need to lay down. What you need to die to. Either to your flesh, your will, or a combination of both. Or maybe But you have to die to what you want and even maybe who you are. And when you begin that sacrifice, it really brings out the yucky stuff that's in your heart that you didn't even know was there. And as you come to the altar, as you're weeping in your car or sitting at home and just being cut to the heart. And God then begins to show you what you must do to go through that sacrifice. And you're repenting of what's coming out of your heart. You're saying, Lord, refine me, purge me. I want to participate in your holiness and get rid of my own. It then leads to a revelation of exactly what God is trying to accomplish through your sacrifice. And it allows you a pass, an easy pass on his highway of holiness. And on that highway of holiness, there is no slow person in the left lane. Come on. They're not sinning against God by going 40 miles an hour in a 60. Come on, you know what it's like when you're in a group, when you're in fellowship because everyone has sacrificed and received revelation. Everybody is clicking along and they are rolling down the highway of God's holiness and accomplishing his will. Come on, y'all know it's like on a missions trip. Everybody gets holy before a missions trip. And when everybody shows up, they're expecting God's kingdom to come on earth. They're expecting to be used by the, the, the Lord of glory. They're expecting revelation to come to them to give to other people. Yeah. So that holiness puts them in that position. 
And just like we're rolling down Highway 59, going to Matamoros. I tell you, when everybody comes up to that border, they are all praying in tongues. No, no English is, is heard. Lord, I can't even say, Lord, don't let me get shot. It's just kumba raba rabasa. Forget that Valero. I'll get the tacos on the way back. But everyone gets, gets right. And when everyone is walking down that way of holiness, we can exceedingly and speedily accomplish God's will. When we're in right order with God and each other, we then have the ability to shout for joy. Let's pull up that next slide for shout. This is the Greek cognate for Renan. In the Septuagint, this Greek word appears for Renan. So, and shall blossom and exult. Exult, Strong's number 21 for the Greek word, is the equivalent to Renan. Let's pull up the next slide. And it means to leap for joy, to show one's joy by leaping and skipping, denoting excessive or ecstatic joy. I, I did not just do that. We're going to have to delete that. <laughs> Christy taught me how to do that. Excessive or ecstatic joy and delight. Come on, ladies. Imagine y'all just won, like, I don't know, a $1,000 gift card to... Ross or DSW. I don't know. I don't shop for women's clothes. Praise God. And you had that in your hand, and I could just see you walking through the parking lot as you got out of your car, and you're like, Woo, glory to God. I'm gonna buy me some shoes. Well, how much more then when we see God's kingdom come on earth in an individual's life and they get set free from a lifetime addiction? When they get set free from a lifetime of lying, stealing, cheating, you name it. But sin is no longer their master, but instead the Lord of glory is. Jesus is their master. And you see a transformed life inside of them. That's worth shouting for joy. That is worth leaping and skipping with excessive joy. Amen. That's a good word. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Uh-oh. Verse 24. Pastor Wade, hold me back. I'm on a roll. You don't have to tie me down to the altar so I don't skip no more. It, it was the pirouette that got me. It was? <laughs> oh, I guess so. I don't know. They did teach us ballet and football so it would be lighter on our feet. Didn't work for me. I still fell down every time I took a step. Acts 2.24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, that him being Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. That word rejoices is the Greek word, Strong's number 21 that we saw earlier. Keep that in mind. My body will also live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the past of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Come on, the very fact that Jesus is alive and that grave is empty is evidence, it's proof, and foundation 
that we should always be full of joy. Amen. Who for the joy set before him endured what? The cross. Scorning its shame. Yeah. No, Jesus went through the most agonizing death any human being has ever gone through and the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. And he did it with joy. Amen. Come on, let's go through a, a month of struggling financially with some joy. Amen. Some exceedingly, skippingly great joy. <laughs> In this passage of Acts, we found a gem. Peter is preaching before thousands at Pentecost. And here he's quoting Psalm 16's prophecy about the resurrection of Jesus and the giving of his Holy Spirit. The giving of the Spirit evidence through the speaking in tongues or tongues rejoicing. Tongues were leaping and skipping, denoting excessive or ecstatic joy and delight. We've read the scripture over and over for 20 years. We've been uh, avidly. Or that's not a real word, is it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. I'm glad I got a teacher here with me. We've been ecstatically preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I've never seen this before, that when he's quoting Psalm 16, in it itself, it's speaking about being full of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Yeah. And directly tied to the resurrection. Amen. As pastor's been doing this, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Man, that was good. We got so excited to know that the tongue that was rejoicing was leaping, was skipping, was out of control, with, but under the control of the Lord. Out of the man's control, but under the control of the Lord. And in 1 Peter 1, chapter 6, I want to share just a few more things with you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Come on, somebody say greatly rejoice. Greatly rejoice. That is the exulting, leaping for joy, leaping, skipping, excessive and ecstatic joy and delight. In this, you can greatly rejoice. But listen to what you're greatly rejoicing in. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Can we do this one in the uh, NASB? Can we do that one? In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith... Golly, how many times has this church preached about the proof of your faith? Being worked out in your deeds, trust-grounded obedience, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. That The proof of your faith, that you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The sacrifices of your difficulty can produce and is supposed to give you something great at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him. You know what we were looking at today? The first time I read through this passage, I was thinking you. Like as an individual kind of uh, word here. But even though you, it's a plural you. So I'm going to translate this into the Texas vernacular. And though y'all have not seen him, y'all love him. And though y'all do not see him now, but believe in him, you all greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. When we have the sacrifice from the difficulties that produces the revelation of Jesus Christ, we have fellowship and joy. We have fellowship and joy. We have fellowship 
in the fact that we are rejoicing so greatly that there is a great joy, a leaping, a skipping, an ecstatic kind of understanding of the joy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> joy unspeakable and full of glory is the way that, it, that I grew up learning this passage. There was songs that we would sing, joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory. You know, but the problem was is that most of the people singing it had zero joy. Oh, don't be too hard on them. We sure do sing a lot of stuff and we're not actually living it to the fullest, are we? Come on, let, let him be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. What is that meaning? That means his praise goes far beyond what we can offer to him. Yeah. How can we offer him anything less than our absolute all? As we were singing highest praises earlier, the reason I couldn't sing with you is because I broke down and was crying. I'm up here having a moment with the Lord going, not only is it a revelation of his fullness, of the, that he deserves the highest praises, not just my highest praises, not just your highest praises. He deserves the highest praises. The highest that there can be. He deserves more than that. And what we are trying to do is connect with that revelation and say, Lord, in the fellowship of the brotherhood of the believers, I know I can't give you enough in and of myself. I'll give you all that I have, but it's not enough for what you deserve. But when we all in fellowship can exalt, can ecstatically, exceedingly abundantly share our joy with Him. You know what that does? That says that He's worthy. When we go to Chicago, to the Arising Church, Crystal Lake, we want you to be in fellowship. We want you to be right with the Lord. That's what we're trying to take care of tonight. That you might be in right fellowship, not just with each other here. You should make it a goal to be in the fellowship of the brotherhood of believers when you're there. Find somebody you don't know. Find somebody that you haven't connected with. And show them the joy of the Lord that is exceedingly abundantly above inside of you that is being expressed. Go with something that, that the Lord has revealed to you that you might have fellowship with others. There is joy in the fellowship. There is joy in fellowship with the Lord. And there must be joy in fellowship with each other. This is what the Lord is giving us. The power of the Holy Spirit, it enables us, the fellowship of believers, to sacrifice through trials. Receive revelation of Jesus Christ and to produce the ability within us to rejoice wholeheartedly. My God. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Let's look at verse 7. The word says this, let us rejoice and be skippingly, excessively, ecstatically joyful and delightful. Let us rejoice and go bonkers in the presence of God. Let us lose what we think we should do and the limits that we have because our God deserves all praise and all honor. And we say it so much, but we rarely give it to him. 
as a people, we don't give it to him. We don't give that all out kind of praise that he deserves. Let us rejoice and be excessively glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. How do you think the bride made herself ready? Through sacrifice, through obedience. What is she waiting on? What is the bride waiting on? The very revelation for him to present himself to her, that he may present her to him in glory, in power. And the ultimate form of fellowship. Man, there has to be joy in our fellowship with each other, with him. And over the next few days, the joys in fellowshipping with the rest of the body of Christ. When we get together with hundreds of people in churches that are just like ours. That were birthed from this church. You're going to feel the same spirit even though you don't know the name of the person next to you. You're going to feel an overwhelming excitement. But we want us to come to enter his gates with thanksgiving. To come into his courts with praise and joy already resonating and ringing in our hearts. And if you're not going, we're not leaving you out. Because his presence can be with you here. There can still be joy in the fellowship with the Lord. This is an incredible thing. We're going to get ready to close. We're going to transition here in just a second. I want us to have such a significant time of worship for the next few minutes. We've been speaking for 41 minutes. Pastor Matt is going to close us out in the next few minutes. Would you allow your heart to start to begin to respond to what's been said? That when we get together in worship here in just a few minutes... You'll first of all make sure that your heart is right before the Lord. But that we should explode into his presence. That his glory may fall upon us. That kavod of his presence will be here with us as we worship. I promise whatever you need is found in his presence. I promise that your sacrifice is not without him noticing it. He is going to reveal himself to you. That we might have true fellowship. Go to Psalm 133. And we'll start in verse 1. Say there when you're there. There we go. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. To pick up on the note, that Pastor Wade just mentioned. Those of you guys going, we want you to anticipate bringing a joy of fellowship to Crystal Lake. We want you to anticipate connecting, establishing relationships with those outside of just life-changing ministries. We want you to get to know the body of Christ and to bring it with joy. Those of you who are staying, I want you to be just as unified with us in the vision of what's happening while you're here as if you were there. Intercede for us. Fellowship. Get in God's presence. Get in God's word. Don't disconnect and check out. Instead, we need your prayer and joyfully give that intercession. We don't want to be giving begrudgingly. But instead, 
when you're on your knees interceding for what's happening at the Rising Church in the conference, the very power and presence of God can be magnified and increased because of your intercessory prayers. So make sure your heart's right tonight so that your actions are right tomorrow. Verse 2, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For where the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. We know we have asked all of you to sacrifice to go to Crystal Lake for the One Association Conference. What we are sure of is that God will meet our sacrifice with revelation. Come on, when we're standing there and we're worshiping and we're listening to the different messages from other churches and even all the side conversations, we're going to go with the anticipation that we're going to get revelation from God. We're going to get clarity from the King because we are sacrificing financially, time, energy, sleep, whatever it is. But we're laying down our lives so that we can be one with the body. When receiving that revelation as a due to, uh, due to sacrifice, His fire from heaven will completely consume our sacrifices and give us the great joy of fellowship, which is being in right order with God and with men. So let's stand to our feet. We'll press into God's presence with highest praises. Remember this moment that any obstacle that comes in your way from now until we get back home, that you're going to conquer it with the joy of fellowship with the Spirit and with each other. Say, nope, I'm not going to give in to mully grubs. I'm not going to give in to complaining or arguing with my spouse, with somebody else, with whoever, maybe even arguing with yourself. But instead, we're going to push forward with joy, anticipating that God will consume our sacrifice. We will receive revelation, and we will find the ability to fellowship over His mighty acts. Amen? Pray for us, Nick.